Yes, we are the saints in Christ, all one family. Wherever we are, he's with us, and he goes with us. And that's why you and I are koinonia people, dear friends of Christ. I really like watching the annual Scripps National Spelling Bee. Uh, since 1994, it's been uh, on the ESPN Live, uh, except for this year. Because of the NBA Finals, it got moved over to another channel, ION. And it's an interesting contest. The kids are always really neat in the words that they come up with. But the, the 2018 contest that I watched was really of special interest. It was a record-shattering 515 contestants. And it was up from 219 in 2017. And they were incredibly tough words that year, and they were put before the contestants in what was probably the most intense competition in the bees' like 100-year history. And among the finalists was a 14-year-old boy from Texas, Karthit Nemani. And although that was his first national spelling bee, he really had the, the, the poise of, of a veteran there. And as he would often spell the words, he'd uh, clasp his hands behind his back. And uh, there were also, uh, sometimes I would see him spell out the w- words with his finger as he was going on. And he got all these words correct. And uh, there were some following words I want to show you that you know could have really caused him trouble. One is a condettiere. Condettiere. The two different ways to pronounce it. You guys know how to spell that? Uh, that's how it is. Yeah. That's a, a knight in the medieval times or a roving soldier uh, who was ready to be hired by someone. And then there is this uh, Maya relitic. That's a simple word, right? Well, it means of igneous rock. You guys know how to spell sendry? That's how you spell it. It's the color of uh, blue. And uh, one of the easier ones, Ankylaglossia. Ankylaglossia. And it's limited normal movement of your tongue. Well, Namani, he spelled these perfectly, of course. And uh, when it came down to the last two contestants, the uh, opponent of his, uh, she misspelled this word. Real simple word. Bewusteinslager. Yeah. You know how to spell that. Well, he had to spell two words to finally win the championship. So the next one was heksiatas. Heksiatas. And uh, that's the status of being an individual. And then finally, here's the last word he had. And he spells it out. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia of all words. Well... Confetti ran, rained down there, and uh, he had a big smile on his face, and uh, he had spelled koinonia correctly, and so he's declared the champion. Well, unless you know Greek and uh, religious terms, you know most of us might uh, be fearful to go and spell a word even like that on the national stage, and uh, we might even panic if we were asked to define it too. Well, the term is worth exploring because. It's used in the Greek 19 times in the New Testament. And it was critically important for Christians in that ancient world. And today, it's often translated as sharing, contributions, fellowship, and communion. 
And in the letter that Paul wrote to that man named Philemon, the apostle says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. And in the original Greek of the New Testament, Paul is saying, I pray that the koinonia of your faith may become effective. And the question for us is really, how do we spell koinonia today? How do we do that in the church? Koinonia is something that we need to really understand and implement in our church ministry, our church mission, and for all churches for that matter. Well, for starters, koinonia does mean sharing. And Paul's letter to Philemon is really the only surviving private letter that Paul had written. It's a very personal message to a man who is a slave owner, you know, of a man named Onesimus. And in this letter, Paul encourages Philemon to forgive this runaway slave and welcome him back, not as a piece of property, but as a fellow brother in Christ. And Paul prays that Philemon will really have a deeper understanding of faith and act on it so that he'll see that runaway slave in a whole new life. As Paul later describes Onesimus, you know, don't treat him anymore as a slave, a bondservant, but as a beloved brother. Change your ways, Philemon. Well, such sharing is experienced today, too. When uh, Americans go and we, we take part, perhaps, in short-term mission trips to countries that are in uh, de- the developing world, as we might call it, um, places like Guatemala, where I, my wife had been able to visit Honduras and others in Central America, for example, and you know, we discover with these foreign partners that as we share with them that they discover the power of faith, hope, and love because of Christ. And it's in places of extreme poverty. Well, lives can be changed through such caring and sharing of the Christian faith, especially when it's grounded in what we know as good deeds and beneficial relationships. And it doesn't have to just be in foreign places. Uh, On July 21st, uh, there were six of us that uh, we got in a van with our driver uh, up to O'Hare Airport to get on a a six-and-a-half-hour flight. We're smiling there before the flight, and we were smiling even during the flight because we were going to a special place, a place of, of course, glaciers, volcanoes, Mount Redoubt that was uh, across the, the inlet away from us there, not too far Of course, whales and moose, all those good things. And uh, also getting a chance to be able to learn about the Native American culture as we went to a heritage center there and uh, got a really good insight about the five different groups of Americans that have come from these different tribes. And then we uh, ended up uh, being uh, blessed with a member, his family. They, They gave us a house to live in during that week. Well, actually, it was about seven days. And uh, we were right on the banks of the Kenai River. And it was the salmon run going on. So day and night, there's fishermen and women out there and children. And then uh, we uh, did our work uh, back at Sterling Lutheran, a fellow sister church of ours up there. And we started that in 2003 as far as doing mission work for three years. And now we're back there for uh, 
another three years or possibly more. It's a huge church. <laughs> it's as deep as it is wide right there. Uh, <clears throat> well, originally, it was just uh, one big uh, room, the sanctuary. <clears throat> That's how it is set up for a church and things like that. Well, after we had our service on that Sunday, this is how it looked afterwards. <laughs> and we, we turned it into a whole railroad scene there. And uh, as we uh, got to uh, meet with the kids, uh, we would have an opening, and uh, uh, I'm there, uh, I'm a railway Rick. That's how the kids knew me. And so uh, uh, they, we all got the hats and the bandanas, so we were having a lot of fun with that. And uh, we had uh, the uh, a couple teens from the, the congregation, uh, they led us in uh, the, the songs. So they had learned that, and they did really well with the kids. And uh, we... Uh, also had to do our puppet ministry, and uh, uh, Gene and uh, uh, Lori uh, Klaus and uh, Gene Holcomb, they uh, were uh, our uh, puppeteers. I uh, got to talk to uh, Cam Track. That's who that is. Got to talk to him every day. And uh, we had uh, Switchman Bill, uh, Bill Lipke. And uh, Barb was there as well, and uh, we'll, uh, you'll see her in a moment. But uh, Bill would uh, share with the kids some special things about the the railroad and Jesus Christ and all that. And uh, then we had uh, these two additional rooms that they had built on. One was a classroom, and both Barb and Lee Burnett uh, had uh, taught the kids there. And uh, they really got involved in things. This was the uh, disciples on the boat, uh, the storm. <laughs> so they, all the kids got in the boat, uh, that, uh, in the one group there. And then craft time. And... Uh, Pretty much all, everybody got involved with crafts except me because I was getting ready for things outside. Uh, but uh, everyone just really enjoyed doing the crafts the kids did. And then uh, one of the crafts was a special one. You know, we've got that big popsicle cross in the back there on the wall uh, that our school students, staff, and the church members have put together. And uh, we did ours over there too. It's about uh, maybe about that high. And that the kids got to decorate that as well. So we left that as a special gift for the congregation. And uh, then we went outside. And uh, we're able to get outside almost every day because of uh, some good weather. Kids love that parachute and running around and some other things. Even had a water balloon fight after uh, the, the picnic on Friday when we were done. Uh, we put together crafts and uh, we also did snacks. Uh, which was a, a real neat trip. Uh, some uh, Twizzler sticks and uh, uh, crackers, making railroad tracks. We had uh, three of the, the members of the church that were really instrumental in uh, serving breakfast. So when the kids would get there at 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, they had breakfast for them, and we just got to mingle with the kids instead of having to do breakfast ourselves. They were really special. So uh, that's uh, one of the days there. Uh, we got everybody together. Uh, and you see they're, they're smiling. Like the kids, uh, they mentioned to the congregation, they said, that was the best VBS ever. And so uh, we did get invited back. Uh, and so we're looking forward to uh, going back next year, uh, hopefully in late June instead of late July, uh, because that'll be before the salmon run. Uh, a lot of the kids get out with their families, of course, and they like to go fishing too. So we'll hopefully get more kids next year. And uh, uh, it was uh, just great to be together. And so we... Certainly thank uh, the people there, uh, those uh, three key individuals who helped us so much. And uh, 
Also, as our uh, team, uh, when we uh, reflect upon everything, we really want to thank you for your support and uh, the prayers and the contributions and just the, uh, the encouragement as uh, we were able to get together. If you have an interest next year, talk to me now. Uh, we're going to try to get plans together by November, December, and get some cheap air flights uh, for the, the following year. So uh, that's who we were as people who shared, uh, sharing Christ. Along with sharing, koinonia also has a more concrete definition, and that's contributions. Uh, in his letter to the Romans, Paul reports that Christians in Macedonia and Achaia, they've been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And koinonia is translated as contributions, gifts here. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul really brags that the Macedonians, that they made contributions beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints that he had mentioned before. Their sharing was koinonia, giving generous gifts. And such a call to generosity, it's even repeated in the letter uh, the book of Hebrews that says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When we share in a sacrificial way, we are practicing koinonia. Well, the Bible's call to koinonia is needed now more than ever. Uh, the Rainier research indicated that charitable giving is on the rise in the United States but churches are receiving a smaller portion of the total pie. Back in 1987, religious organizations, they had received 53% of charitable contributions. In 2014, they received only 32%, and it's even less today. Many individuals and churches do come together to pool their resources and to give to a larger single fund or perhaps an effort. Uh, we know of things like Lutheran Church Charities, Lutheran World Relief, and also Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, a, a regional group here. And still, although you know, we may moan about the downward slide and what's being given to churches, over we know that our complaining is not going to improve koinonia in the church. Instead, we need to embrace other strategies. Uh, one that we've done uh, in the past, too, is, for example, electronic giving. And Rainer Research says that mobile tr devices, they account for over half of all the Internet traffic now. Electronic giving, they say, is in the future. The giving is the future. Now, although many people you know, will put coins and dollar bills and checks into envelopes, things like that, into offering plates, certainly good a digital gift, they say, can actually be a more consistent gift, one that supports the spiritual discipline of the giving. Koinonia, that word, it also means fellowship. And the book of Acts you know, talks about those first converts to Christianity. What did they do? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And John in his first letter, he says, that which we've seen and heard, we proclaim also to you 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The word fellowship there, that's koinonia in the Greek. It's companionship, friendship. It's a brotherhood together. Unfortunately, we use the word fellowship in uh, very light terms, you know, in churches, in those types of circles. You know, we have fellowship lunches. Where do we have them? In the fellowship hall, right? It makes fellowship perhaps seem just like a simple social gathering. But koinonia is a much richer form of fellowship. According to an evangelical scholar, John Stott, he says that koinonia refers to what we have in common and what we share as Christian men and women and young people. He says koinonia expresses what we share in together, what we have received together, what we participate in together. We're talking about the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the fellowship of God and his son Jesus, fellowship with each other. That's more than the fellowship luncheon that we have. It's what we share together. It's what we have received together in Christ. It's what we participate together in the ministry and missions that we face each and every day. And we know that such fellowship, it can also involve struggle. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul speaks of his desire, saying that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of the resurrection. And I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Sometimes it's translated the fellowship of his sufferings. And that line in Koine, of koinonia participation in the suffering of Christ, it really connects Paul in a much deeper way with his Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Finally, koinonia means communion. And Paul asks the Corinthians, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. Paul sees that cup as a koinonia of the blood of Christ. And he sees the bread as a koinonia written there in Greek, in the body of Christ. When we receive the sacrament, the Lord's Supper or communion, as we call it, those names. You know, we're sharing and we're participating in, in a meal too. It connects us to Christ and also to each other. You know, we believe and teach in the, the real presence of Christ in this meal. And in many Christian traditions, the Holy Spirit makes Christ present in communion in, in different ways in those churches. But the presence of Christ is not limited to this holy meal. At the end of his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul offers words that are often used as a blessing at the end of a service. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul's hope is that the communion, the fellowship, the koinonia of the Spirit will remain with people long after they read his letter. In a similar way, we hope that the koinonia, the spirit, will remain with us even after this worship service is over and we go to our homes and to other places. For some reason, that National Scripps Spelling Bee, 
It's become rather biblical in the, the past uh, years. In the 2018 competition, it included the word pseudepigrapha. And that is a collection of Jewish writings that were found around 200 years within the time of the birth of Christ. And then uh, in 2009, the winning word was Laodicea. That means indifferent or half-hearted. And we know that that comes from the book of Revelation, that church of Laodicea, that uh, the Lord is speaking to them. And he says, you know, you people are lukewarm. I'd rather have you hot or cold, but you're this in-between. Well, we know that Philemon was not a member of the church of Laodicea. There's no evidence that his fellowship was half-hearted or really indifferent. We know, as far as we can tell, that we have every reason to believe that he did welcome Onesimus back, exercising really a true spirit of koinonia. A challenge for Christian congregations today is to be committed to that. Not be indifferent, not be half-hearted, but really to have a full investment in generous giving and fellowship and communion, even as we share that gospel of Christ. And when we do that, we remain connected to God and also to each other in a very special way as we do those good deeds, that love, that response that we have of faith, and also having beneficial relationships with others. That's how you spell koinonia. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.